the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. For any company, this would be remarkable. It's new, as in one year new. It's global, and it already has 64 products, many of which are focused on women. Kevin Ali is the CEO of Organon. So there are three parts of the company. One part is essentially what we call established brands. These are off-patent original products that focus on a variety of genders, obviously everything from cardiovascular to dermatology and whatever. Then we've got a second part of the business is biosimilars. These are the, essentially the biosimilars of the originators that came off patent in biologic space. And what that means is where you have a generic drug yeah. to a brand right, pill like drug. Like Humira, for example. A this, generic would Humira, be, right. this would be a biosimilar is to an IV drug, which was a brand right. drug, like Humira, as like you said. Like exactly. Okay, so you're right. doing the... We're doing that part. The tough part, yeah. biosimilars in the right. IV drug space. Right. And the third and part And the third is, part is the women's health space. What started out as really a business, and we only spun out a year ago, focused on fertility and contraception. Now we've added a number of assets. In one year, we've done five different business development deals. We've added a device to treat postpartum hemorrhage, which is a major, uh, one of the leading causes of morbidity and mortality for women in childbirth. We've added two early assets, which means we have to develop them further. Uh, one on preterm labor. Another issue that serves almost 15 million babies are born preterm in the world today and needs new innovations in the space. We added a product for endometriosis a major issue causing significant disruption to women's lives across the world, and that's a unique asset. And we've added just recently, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, an asset we've been licensed and work with a local company in San Diego called Dare for bacterial vaginosis, which is, again, affects about 21 million women in the U.S., and it recurs, and it's a problem, and this is a very unique, creative solution for that. So the future of the company is really focused on solving some of these unmet needs in women's health of which there are considerable number of unmet needs, specifically focused on women. And then over time, if we want to kind of open the aperture and go after areas predominantly affecting women, like, for example, lupus, chronic cough, celiac disease, migraine, osteoporosis, we'll go into that section as well. Are the 64 products what you started with and now you've added to? Yes. And that yes. was that was a year ago as yes. of this recording. Yes. Where'd you get the 64 products? Well, the 64 products came from Merck. That's what we spun out with. And again, in those three different types of businesses. The new products we got, we just did through business development because in those 64 products, we generate revenue and free cash flow and we invest that money in business development and new assets in various stages of development, the earlier stage, mid-stage, and late stage. But our focus is really, our vision actually, is a better and healthier every day for every woman. And so we're kind of focused where, the, where we're unique because we're the only pharmaceutical company that's global that focuses their future vision on a gender, which is women's health, to try to solve some of these unmet needs. The products that came out of Merck, Merck mm -hmm. is no longer selling those products. No, no, they belong completely to this new company called Organon. And when you say global, you started out with global offices? Yeah, we have 60 subsidiaries around the world. We're in Asia, we're in Europe, of course, core Europe, we're in Latin America, we're everywhere. Well, I have to say, if you don't understand this as, as a listener saying, I don't how, how they do it? It's like, boy, you don't grow things like that. You grow things like, okay, I'm going to start here and get a little bigger and a little mm -hmm. bigger. Only when you had a global biotech such as Merck, which is all over the world, could you spin it out 
and spin out a full global from day one. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. Like a mini Merck, except in the sense <laughs> but it that ain't. But it ain't. <laughs> we're just focused on different things. And I think the, the original assumption was these products that are spinning out are not core to the mission of Merck, but could be core to the mission of another company, which means you can be a better owner of these assets if you have dedicated support, dedicated senior management, and dedicated resources to make the most out of these products, and then also to make the most out of the vision of this company, new company, called Organon, which will be focused on women's health. I have to say, as a woman, and people have already noticed, Kevin, that you're not a woman. I, I don't know. We don't have you check any boxes no, or no, announce anything. But that's a fair assumption. I'm giving a, you know, the, the suit and the tie. That's and a the, fair the assumption. Kevin and, yeah, okay, got, got it all there. But I have to say, as a woman, I have to say some of the things that you've mentioned and all the sort of the women's diseases, you or conditions, rather, a lot of them feed into each other. There's overlap. Is there some sense of interconnection between these women-focused products? Yeah, I mean, you know, women's health was always historically defined as reproductive health. You know, contraception, fertility, things of that nature. But now, interestingly enough, there's some interesting R&D starting to emerge in the space. Small, medium-sized companies who are focused on one area, maybe two, that are expanding way beyond reproductive health. As I mentioned, endometriosis, menopausal symptoms, we're not there yet. Uh, you know, can you do things in menopausal symptoms non-hormonally? There are approaches that are coming soon. New non-hormonal areas in contraception, preeclampsia, preterm labor, all those areas that have gone unfocused on. Only 4% of the global R&D budgets that our industry is putting into it are focused on women's health. You know, last year, the FDA approved 50 new molecules, only five of them essentially focused on women's health. So there are a lot of areas that need to kind of be, let's say, stimulated to try to grow because these areas are of significant disruption to women's lives. If I tell you right now that, you know, there's probably in the United States about 10 million women who suffer from severe, severe vasomotor symptoms due to menopause, right, that inhibit them to essentially live a normal life, but yet they don't want hormone replacement therapy. It's not, not something they feel comfortable with, but there's no other alternative. So there needs to be investment in that area so that you bring non-hormonal approaches that solve some of these issues of night sweats and you know all the dysfunction that comes from that, you know, in terms of that. So there's a lot of and more needed investment, and we thought it's time that a company be given birth to that is focused on solving some of these needs because we think a wave is coming. And in the next 10 years from now, we'll be able to solve a lot of these issues that have gone unsolved. Well, as we say on Tech Nation, you know, it ain't a problem so we say it's a problem, but only problems get solved. That's right. <laughs> so formulating this as a problem, making it a focus, you in a sense, you almost lose the gender because, okay, we're focusing on this parameter and this parameter and this parameter. And it's like, ah, okay, now we're really getting down to solving a problem. It may sound like words, words, words to some people, but I can guarantee you the very fact that you're focusing here will make a difference. So the, the four or five percent you know, my recollection is women are actually slightly over 50 percent mm -hmm. and we live longer than you. Did mm -hmm. you know that? That's a different show. But <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, you better get to work fast. You better get to work fast. Now, I heard you say in amongst this conversation, uh, I heard you say, well, about small companies starting up, researchers doing things, companies going, you know, 
so far, they're sort of in mid-stage. So you're interested in basically helping develop this mm-hmm. it, within Organot. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, the discovery process sometimes takes years and years to do. I mean, I, you know, we spun out from a company that was 130 years old of Merck, right? The discovery process takes years, and sometimes, you know, it's, it, it's very difficult in terms of really getting solutions. But why not, if you have the necessary cash flow, why not go out there and kind of serve as a magnet for all those little companies that are focused on something, they kind of fall into it, you know, jumped, stumbled into a solution potentially. Um, why not serve as a magnet for them to come to you? And that's exactly what's happened. We've kind of started this movement of sorts where everybody sees Organon and says, oh, Organon, women's health. Great. I'll, I'll bring my innovation to them. What do they think? You know, there's been a huge increase in investment, say, in femtech. The femtech world is exploding right now. Now, not a lot of that is really true, pure innovation. You have to kind of wade through all of it to see what's there. But there's a, a tremendous investments in devices now. You can't imagine the amount of innovation that's coming in into the device world. These are not therapeutics. These are devices that actually solve some of these issues in women's health and, of course, in therapeutics as well. So we like to aim to think about putting the woman in the center of the room and then essentially not saying we're agnostic of whether it's a device or a therapeutic intervention. We want to solve some of these needs. And I think that's the unique approach to the company that we're taking. You're all over the world. There's that. There's no doubt about that. But if I look all over the world, I see different socioeconomic profiles. I see different cultural mores. I see within that, even if they are they're very well off, what women are permitted to do, not permitted to do. How does that fold into what you're doing? How do you how do you see that? And and what do you know now that you've you've been at the helm for a year? Yeah. What I know is you're absolutely right that, you know, if I go into parts of the Asia Pacific region, the way that um, fertility is looked upon or contraception for that matter, or even diagnosis and education of endometriosis and menopausal symptoms are considered differently in different countries. Western European countries in the United States are very different than Brazil, Latin America, and in China and other places in terms of what the medical community, how they see it as an issue. So you're right, the social kind of economic, rather cultural aspects of a given country react very differently to each type of area that we're working on in terms of women's health. You know, some elicit a real reaction like contraception. Some elicit not so much of a reaction. Some think of it as like menopausal symptoms. That's just part of getting old. What, what's the yeah. big deal? You know, <laughs> Keep well, quiet and what's for dinner? Yeah, that's, exactly. That, I believe, is the, the, the exactly. theme. <laughs> well, I think that's starting to change slowly and starting to move. It's like, wait a minute. I want to be able to have solutions to this. Not everybody's going to have a nice, peaceful, easy go of it. Some people have to actually are dealing with it for many years. So I think, you know, over time, as you see more and more women around the world getting into positions of political power, whether it's the United States, whether it's in parts of Europe, whether it's in parts of the emerging world, emerging markets, and as you start to see more and more investments that governments are making in this space, and as you start to see more innovations come through, I think it'll all kind of coalesce. And then you'll start to see more movement. So I would rather have a company at the beginning of that rather than the middle of that in order to come to grips with some of these issues and take a leadership role. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for coming in. And uh, I hope you'll come back and see us again. It'd be nice to meet you again. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, Moira.
Kevin Ali is the CEO of Organon. More information is available at Organon.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-O-N, Organon.com. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.